2: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
3: good evening everybody welcome to the show we got a great show planned for you um travel time it's a holiday thing you're gonna you're all gonna get familiar with a lot of holiday based themed shows going on and you know as always i try to make things applicable to those that maybe don't directly relate to the topic um those that are single or relational or traveling or not traveling but we're going to talk about how to keep your relationship intact, um, and also again individually your own mental health intact when traveling. I, when I look, I'm one of those people where I love traveling, as in I like to be in different places, but I don't like travel, the physical <laughs> process of getting there. And what I mean when I say that is air travel. I I, I gotta say I think it's probably one of my least favorite things. Top three. It is so complex, it is so stressful, and it just seems to never run smoothly because of how complex it is. Uh, I definitely am one of those travelers that has a lot of travel anxiety, it spikes. (laughs) I need a lot of hand-holding. I avoid it as much as possible, and I always try to find alternative ways. I'm very thoughtful about the days and times I travel. Uh, And that that might be the first tip (laughs) for mental health with your travel. Always acknowledge who you are and what you need. And I think that's an important thing for everyone to do. we throw around, uh, 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 I'm going to broaden this for a second and then I'll come back down to a more specific, more specific to the topic itself. But um, there's this idea that everything's about equality. You know, every everyone should have the same thing. In the mental health world, it's really about the word equity. Everyone should get what they need because everyone has different needs and it can't be about everyone gets the same thing. Everyone should have the same access. So I'm all about equality in that way. Everyone should have the same access, the same privileges. But in terms of needs, everyone's needs are different. I've talked on the show a lot about that in terms of parents with their different children, teachers with different students, um, employers with different employees everyone has a different need because everyone has different mental health and everyone has different physical capabilities so it can't be well everyone else can get here or everyone else can do this you too no it actually doesn't work that way and that's actually very violent and that is not taking a mental health stance so i always want to throw that out there everyone's like ah you know mental health is important hashtag mental health advocate well parents teachers employers uh partners uh family members friends just because you or someone else you know can do something doesn't mean everyone else can. I I use a lot of child-driven examples because I think there's a softness and an understanding and empathy that we bring to them. So let me use another example. Teachers, your job's hard. I'm not trying to say it isn't. This is just an example, I'm not blaming anyone. When a child arrives in your classroom, one of them came from a very happy, stable home where all their needs are met. Great. Another child was up all night because their parents were fighting and there's a lot of domestic violence. Another child doesn't have their needs met and so they didn't have a bed, maybe they were co-sharing, they don't have food in the house. Uh, Some live in a more difficult uh, conflict-driven neighborhood, others don't. Some walk to school, some are driven to school. So yes, some might be tired when they get to school because of the domestic violence at home. Other students can't sit still because they have an ADHD brain, others don't. So yes, everyone needs something different. Some people can't ever make it there on time, because of their mental health or their trauma. Not everyone can sit through a, 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 a film or, or home or you know, a classroom assignment because of their trauma, their neurology or whatever it is. <clears throat> know what your needs are. Sorry, I'm clearing my throat. that's gross, but you know, it's a holiday time. There's a lot of flus going around. Um, everyone's needs are different. Understand who you are and what you need. And own it. Own it your partner's like, oh man, we're going to travel. Here goes your anxiety. Say, you know what? You're right. You're right. I have high anxiety with travel. Oh, you know, we're going to go home and see your parents and they always trigger you. You're right. You're right. I do. I have a big trauma history with my family of origin. You're right. Agree. Acknowledge who you are. Acknowledge what your needs are and own that. I own all of mine. I have social anxiety. I have generalized anxiety. Um, I have a light agoraphobia. And so, yeah, when someone's saying, oh, I want you to come to my party or my event, I let them know. Just so you know, I will probably be not staying long. I will probably be one of the first people there. I will probably be exiting after an hour. That's the best I often have the resources for. And if they're like, I know, but you always leave early. I say, you're right. Yes, I do. Own it. When I travel with my partner, it's always like, oh, oh God, travel anxiety, we're going to be at the airport two hours early. And I'm like, you're right, you're right, my anxiety mandates that I am. So I can settle in, get through the security at the time I need to. I don't like to feel rushed. Own and acknowledge who you are and what your needs are. Own and acknowledge who your partner is and what their needs are. Don't have any shame around that. There's no reason to have shame around your mental or physical limits or the support you need. What gets us in the weeds a lot of time and leads to a lot of conflict is when we feel like we have to defend ourselves. Don't, if it's true, agree. In fact, define, self-define, self-definition is such a beautiful pro-mental health, permission giving, conflict resolute kind of stance. Just so you know, my, I have social anxiety, it's going to be hard for me. Just so you know, you might say I have travel anxiety, this is what I might need. Own it, lean into it, ask for it, request it. It dampens down some of the intensity. So that's the first thing. Because again, we're talking about how to get through travel time with your mental health intact and not having your relationship necessarily suffer. And part of that is that self-knowledge and that self-awareness, owning it, owning it confidently, making your needs known. And then we can accommodate that. But when we try to get defensive because we feel bad or we try to be better than maybe we're able to be, that's when a lot of problems arise. And we have to have empathy for each other. It's not about toughening up. It's about understanding what's possible. All right. Stick around, y'all. We're going to come back and talk more about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: Oh, Rachel, we're back, and we're talking about how to uh, travel while still keeping your mental health intact. Which, y'all, I feel like that is a big ask. (laughs) I mean, it's a big ask on me. I think it's a big ask on the world. Airline travel. Oh my God. I I I've taken trains before. Quite smooth and easy. Quite smooth and easy. Why can't the airlines do what the bus and train services do? I understand it's quite different, but my God. When I know I have to get on an airplane, I'm like, oh, how many things are gonna go wrong? Not will they, but how many things? It is, God bless it. Uh, If you can, take a train. It is, I don't use this word, but I think this is an example where the word applies. Taking a train somewhere is lovely. (laughs) I don't use that word, but that is the perfect use of that word. It is on time. It has few issues. You just sit there and do your thing. They're not worried about, you know, loading different zones where you're waiting in line and people are taking their time. There's not, it, you are not dealing with, put your tray tables up, tape them down. I mean, it is simple. You can get up whenever you need to. I prefer it. <laughs> oh my gosh. It takes a little bit longer. It's far cheaper if you can do it. But airline travel, I would, if I didn't have to ever do it again, I would be a happy, happy man. So basically, again, talking about mental health in terms of travel time. And for those that aren't travelers, this still applies to you. All the all mental health tools are pretty generalized. I just, you know, again, use a jumping off point or an entry point. And um, I was saying in the last segment how... Uh, we, we need to self-define. There's something powerful in mental health about just owning who we are, what our needs are, and what our limits are. Even when I talk about things like attachment styles, um, people some people are more secure, others are more anxious or avoidant. They, 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 they're so stigmatized and they're so pathologized. And that's one of the elements I don't enjoy about mental health. Diagnoses uh, really shouldn't be meant to make people feel bad or to be weaponized against someone by saying you're a borderline or you're a narcissist that's you actually being very violent. We, we shouldn't be diagnosing or slinging diagnoses harmfully at ourselves or other people. Diagnoses are supposed to be ways to understand what services we need. They're supposed to be um, <clears throat> terms that help us understand what interventions might be best applied to this individual. They're, they're ways for us to hopefully build empathy for ourselves and what our limits are, but that's not the case. But we want to step more into that. I I try to, on the show, when possible, acknowledge my mental health issues, struggles, and diagnoses, although I don't, really support diagnoses because I think what happens is people fuse to these identities, don't realize that there's a whole lot more to you than that identity and that label or diagnosis. People don't realize that you still have abilities outside of the limits of that diagnoses and that sometimes we outgrow them and that these are just terms we use to describe a set of behaviors. It doesn't describe a person. It describes a set of behaviors that a person has. So no one's a borderline. It's some people that might have that diagnosis. And just so y'all know, I don't use that word. I don't use that word in my clinical practice. It is misapplied to women. I, um, I think there's so many problems with diagnoses. That's for a different show. But let's say some people are, it really just means you have some of the behaviors that we have decided as a group of psychologists that we will apply this label to, to better understand this person and how to help them. But that doesn't mean you're that, it doesn't mean you can't outgrow it, it doesn't mean you can't change, it doesn't mean maybe that is misapplied, it just means you have some of the behaviors that fall under this rubric It's of the syndrome, it's no deeper than that. What I want us to do is not own diagnoses as much as own our limits so that we can have confidence in them. We can call them out ahead of time. It's permission giving. Hey, just so you know, thanks for inviting me to the party. I have social anxiety, so I probably won't be staying long, but I really value you. I wanna show up for you and I'll be there as long as I can. Bam. We have to normalize that. And with travel, we have to acknowledge what our limits are. Some people, (laughs) It spikes their anxiety, it spikes their claustrophobia, their agoraphobia, their generalized anxiety, depression, depending on where you're going, it leads to a lot of couples conflict. And again, it's like I say all the time about holidays, what I say all the time about sex. It should it should it should be fun. We should find the joy in it. I understand it's a complexification, but we shouldn't let it be something that takes our relationships down. So that's what we're talking about tonight. And again, the number one thing I want people to acknowledge is what your limits are and what your struggles might be so that we all have empathy for it, so that you can ahead of time plan for it, you can account for it, you can talk about how to get through it. That's what I do with a lot of my couples when the holiday times come. We talk about the relationship to food, the relationship to friends and family members, all of those things are important. We've done some shows on them, we'll do a few more, but also saying, hey, we're gonna be traveling. Let's create a plan for how to make it less stressful on both of us. Let's call out the obstacles or issues that we think might occur, and how do we wanna manage them? And that is health. That is mental health. That is a good relational standard. We're all on the same team here. What might you need from me? What might I need from you? Because again, remember, everyone's needs matter. So if I say something like, I have travel anxiety, I have claustrophobia, I have all these issues, that doesn't mean whoever I'm traveling with has to prioritize me over them, they i can say here's what i would love from you but then they also get to say that to me here's what i need from you in reference to your mental health struggles i need you to promise to be your best i need you to let me know if there's something you need they can say to me i need you to do this that or the other thing that we're going to talk about as a plan ahead of time so there's responsibility on both ends having a mental health diagnosis doesn't mean you are let off the hook and 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 your needs are more important than everyone else's I say this all the time, everyone's mental health is just as important. Everyone's needs are just as important. When someone's struggling, that doesn't mean the other person's needs don't matter, right? I always use that whole uh, in the water example. Uh, Someone's trying to help you swim as you're drowning. You don't get to just push them under to save yourself. And that's the actually a really good metaphor for what some people do. Well, you know I have travel anxiety, so what, only mine, you know, so people act as though only their needs matter. It's like, no, everyone you're traveling with, their their comfort matters as well. And you, the person struggling, have to also take that into account. You don't have a right to leak all over the place. So if you have travel anxiety, you have to share with your travel mates what you might need because of your anxiety, but you also have to share with them what you're gonna do to make sure it doesn't necessarily negatively impact their trip. Everyone's needs matter. Everyone's mental health matters. I said to clients all the time too. Even let's say when someone had an affair, we talk about something like an infidelity. I say to the person who cheated, you have a responsibility to the person you cheated on. But to but I also say to, to the other partner, even though you might have harmed someone, your your needs still matter as well. So we're all that's that equity piece. Um okay, we're gonna take uh we're gonna take a moment, we'll be back and uh gonna talk more about our mental health during travel travel time. And then we're gonna be doing some DMs stick around. You're listening to Love Lamb with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back talking about travel because it's that time of year oh, for many people with supplies all year round. And we're talking about how to look out for our mental health and the mental health of other people. And I was discussing that. Uh, let people know what your needs are. Own whatever those struggles might be. If you are always late, if you are always stressed, don't get defensive. Don't blame. Just say, you're right. I am. That is the gold standard of mental health being like, you know what? That is who I am. <laughs> and here's what I'm going to do differently this year to help myself and to help those around me. Ask your partner for help. Let your partner ask you to be on your better behavior. It's, for, it's, it's all of us need to be on board with this. Um, We're also talking about taking what your struggles are and having a little bit of a plan for how you're going to manage them, how others can help you. I have all my couples doing that. If one person has a short fuse and is very impulsive and reactive and goes right to anger, we've talked about how can you regulate better. What are, the, what are the key moments that you think will be hardest? And if you call it out ahead of time, then when you're walking into it, you're like, okay, I already know that this is gonna be a hard moment. There's an awareness of it, and that's the first step of behavior change, having an awareness of what needs to change and when. But instead, most people wanna go in unconsciously on autopilot, they're not tracking themselves, and they're just reacting all over the place and it's hard on them and it's hard on the people they're with. That is not okay, that is not adult behavior, that is not mental health. If you get into fights, if you have issues when traveling, identify ahead of time what are those more or most difficult moments. Is it it getting in line at security? Is it figuring out seating? Is it what is it? And what are you gonna do differently at those times? What can your partner do to help you? Because again, we're on the same team. You wanna be in the kind of relationship with your friend, your family members, your loved one, your husband, your wife, where you can, you can say to them, I'm struggling right now, can you help me? Or you wanna be in the kind of marriage or relationship or friendship where your partner can say, hey, this is that hard moment we talked about. Let, let's really focus on, on, on nailing it this time. Or having your partner point out, hey, remember how we talked about, we're going to blah, 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 let's try to apply that now. Or letting your partner touch you to soothe you and finding that soothing. Be on the same team. Plan it out ahead of time. That's what healthy adults do. Be aware of yourself enough to know what your work is. Don't blame other people. You're responsible for everything you say and do, period, end of story. Yes, your partner might annoy you. Yes, your partner might do a wealth of things, but. If you know that that might happen, you decide ahead of time who you wanna be in those moments and what you wanna to do to be better in those moments. We wanna grow up a little bit. I don't know why I keep saying that word because in my mind it's about developmental milestones being achieved, but I appreciate in our culture that's a very weaponized concept to say to someone, grow up, so I don't I don't mean it like that. I mean it in in that every moment we have the opportunity of transforming ourselves and, and developmentally moving forward. And I want us to, to take advantage of that. And the older we get, the more I have a responsibility that I place on people to do so. Be better than those hard moments. This work isn't about saying, that's a hard moment for me and expect it to always be because I refuse to change. That is not healthy behavior, and ideally we don't stay in relationship with people that see the world like that. I did a whole show on this once, but what we seek in ourselves and in other people that we're gonna spend time around is workability, which means they are willing to work on themselves. They're willing to take feedback. They're aware of themselves enough to know what the work is. Trust me when I tell you I do the work I tell y'all to do, which is I know what moments in life are difficult for me, And I try to step into them being my better self. And that's what I expect of all of you. So you need to have more consciousness. I want people to be aware of who they are in moments and what difficult moments are. And travel throws a lot of them at you. Maybe it's in the preparation. Maybe it's in the time in that space, like at the airport or whatever it is. Maybe it's when you get to the destination. Maybe it's how you deal with being tired because you're jet lagged. Maybe it's in how you deal with finding food when you get there, or what kind of trip you want to have, call it out ahead of time, figure out who you want to be as a couple in those moments and apply it. Get better each time because you learn more about yourself and your, and your relationship and what you need. That is what I mean for family members. That is what I mean for friends. And that is what I mean for romantic relational partnerships. Always say, who was I last time in these spaces and who do I want to be and what is the work? Because holiday time and travel shouldn't have to be something that makes life harder. It shouldn't be something that ruins the entire trip. Call it out ahead of time and have a plan. There's a bunch of other steps we're going to talk about taking, but this is the front-loaded part. It's just the willingness to step into travel and other difficult times in our lives and to use them as moments of interventions on ourselves where we work to be better, we work to do better. That's, that's an imperative. I want us to all demand that of anyone we're in any kind of relationship with. And that's why I use that word workability. How workable is this person? And if you're newly dating people, track that. When I come to them with a need, do they come to me with a need? Do we talk about difficult moments? Do we process, learn, and do better? That's what we're all trying to do. And, and travel and holiday time puts it on blast. You sh- I mean, look. Because of the work I do, yes, I don't constantly assess people in my head, but then at the same time, I kind of do. I can't not hear people say things and say, wow, you know, that wasn't handled well. I can't not sit there and watch at the airport people having meltdowns and going, wow. This person is so unaware of themselves. And I'm tracking the relational dynamics. You better believe I am at parties, at dinner parties out in the world. Yeah, that's the lens I have, I can't not. It's like a dentist or a hairdresser. A hairdresser doesn't not notice people's haircuts and hairstyles and bad dye jobs. They just do. Fashion stylists notice what people are wearing and what they might wanna to do to tweak something. My dad was a cosmetic and general dentist. You better believe he notices people's dental care, hygiene and teeth quality. That's in there, y'all. All right. We're going to come back to some DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we're back. Now it's time to
0: slide
3: into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
3: This one says, um, hey, Dr. Chris, what are your tips? What tips do you have for dealing with family drama over the holidays? Stay away altogether. Try to put on a happy face and engage. I guess it depends on uh, what the family drama is. In some families, it's way too toxic and it's abusive and you should pass. Um, some people aren't healthy enough to be told that what they're doing is wrong or problematic. Some people aren't going to honor boundaries when they're set. So as you have to ask yourself. If I um, set a boundary and say, hey, I don't really want to you know, hear about your thoughts on what I'm eating or weight gain or weight loss, will they say we hear you? Um, that's meaningful if though they say, you know, we're gonna do it anyway or continue to, well then they're not safe for you to necessarily be around. But I would say if it's just family drama, just stay out of it. You know what I mean? A lot of people think it's all about getting their voice heard and getting a point made and being right. And usually it's more just about not doing anything. Most empowered people usually stay silent. It's the weaker people that feel like they have to battle every battle and step into every fight. So it kind of depends on what the drama is. We'll talk a lot more about that, though. I think leading up to the holidays and all of that, it's really important to be talking about how to deal with difficult family members. So we'll be doing a whole bunch of shows on how to you know, prioritize your recovery and boundaries and your relationship to food and your body and problematic family members. All sorts of really fun stuff that is just a part of this time and a part of kind of being a human in the world. Um, and I feel bad because some of us have control over who we're going to spend time around and others don't, but do your best. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but maybe you sit in a different seat. Uh, maybe you sit next to a family member who's calmer or more mature or more of an ally. Maybe you ahead of time say, hey, listen, you know this is a topic I don't want brought up. Maybe you announce it to the table. Um, hey, guys, I know y'all like to ask me when I'm getting married or while I'm single or when we're having a child. I'd, I'd like that to not be a topic this holiday. And more importantly, though, remember, when you set a boundary, you have to hold it. If you tell someone I'm not open to talking about or hearing about something, you just keep your mouth shut no matter how many times they talk, ask, or bring it up. You don't have to engage people or conversations you don't want to, so just stay silent. And if you have to walk away, walk away. Because a lot of people that aren't familiar with boundaries or boundaries being set will try to knock them down. And it's our job to hold the boundary we set. Um, yes, because God bless it. <laughs> Times are tough, people are tired, not everyone's in environments where they feel safe, um, and so you have to kind of really, again, assess that. It's, it's um, a little bit of a case by case. And uh, that's why some individuals don't go home to see family. That's why a lot of people have their chosen family and friends that they spend time around, people that care for them. And I want family systems to kind of ask themselves that. Do we create the kind of environment that people want to be a part of or want to be around? Like what work needs to be done? And if you're the friend or family member and you know that someone tends to get targeted, maybe stick up for them, stand up for them. Maybe say, hey, come sit next to me. Maybe when the question comes up, you jump in and say, you know what, stop asking them that. They already told you that's something they're not comfortable with. Um, I want allies to really step in and step up and do the work uh, people on their receiving end of hate or prejudice or bigotry. Shouldn't always have to be advocating for themselves. So it's on us white people to shut down the racism. It's on cis people to shut down the transphobia. It's on straight people to shut down the homophobia. It's on our friends and family members that love us to say, Hey, stop commenting on their weight or their relational status, because you shouldn't have to be made to feel bad, especially not at the holidays, because remember, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a celebration. It's not supposed to be toxic. It's not supposed to be traumatic. So if it's toxic or traumatic, pass. Walk away, leave the table, don't go home. But if it's just difficult, maybe try to go with a new set of boundaries, making requests ahead of time, telling people what is okay and what's not okay, sit next to a support or an ally, ask a family member to jump in, and uh, work it out, work it through. And sometimes it's just like I said, about staying quiet and letting things go. So case by case, imagine if it could just be fun. The holidays and people weren't stressed about finances or how the table looks or how the food's prepared and we just went back to what it's really supposed to be about the actual mission statement. Oh, that would be amazing. Maybe another life in another time once we get away from capitalism and materialism. But that's not going to happen in my lifetime. But the younger kids are pushing for it, so I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful. I really do. Um, all right, if you all got a question for us, always anonymous, always confidential, anything mental health-centered, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We want to hear from you. Um, past episodes. Always over at wearechannelq.com, podcast podcasted so you can take us on your flight, your drive, maybe that's what you go do when the family's getting toxic, go in your room and put in the headphones. Anyway, we'll be back, y'all, so stick around. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back, and we're talking about how to keep our mental health intact during holiday time, especially holiday travel. Especially during a time when you know finances are tough, we got pandemic stuff, we have COVID stuff. It is flu season, financial struggles, employment stuff. Ah, and then the holidays are here, and we're gonna hop on an airplane and deal with the chaos of that kind of travel. I told everyone just take a take a uh, train if you can. Easy, smooth, simple. Runs on time, leaves on time. Nothing happens while it's going. Just sitting there taking it all in. Don't have to worry about all these, you know, do this, do that. Oh my gosh, airline travel is so complex. It's ridiculous. I do not like doing it. Um, It's always something. It's not will there be something, it's how many somethings. Uh, But we're talking about just defining who you are, what your needs are, acknowledging your difficulty, how hard you are to travel, to, you know, for someone to travel with planning and calling out ahead of time, having a willingness to do the work and to be better each time, not just saying that's how it's gonna be, that's how it's always been, learning and growing, being better, being willing to acknowledge, let's make this one smoother, here's what I need to do, here's what my work is. Um, That's massive. And some of us are going to families that we don't feel safe with. Some of us are going to visit partners' families who don't feel safe with. Sometimes we're going to meet a partner's family for the first time. That's a lot of work that comes up in my office. Oh, I'm meeting my partner's family for the first time, or yikes, you know, we got to deal with some problematic family members. We've done shows on some of these. But the first thing that the experts say, because some of the things I want to just point out are maybe a little bit outside of the mental health world, but then they're not at the same time because how we plan things and the way we go about it is mental health driven. It's kind of like when people say everything's political. It is. The decisions we make are always based on some political stance and mental health is the same way. And experts always talk about planning wisely, but when they do that, they say the travel dates. Um, if you are someone who has a lot of generalized anxiety, this is where it's a mental health issue. Be very thoughtful about the travel dates you choose. There are ones that have a higher rate of cancellations, And complexity that some people's anxiety aren't going to manage or deal with well. If you're in a high conflict relationship, let me also call that out there. You don't need more stressors thrown in there. Please do the work. Please be aware of yourself. Please plan ahead. Please get into some couples therapy. But nonetheless, if you're a high conflict couple, and general, and you have a lot of travel anxiety, be thoughtful about the dates you choose. Because like I said, some dates or times of day I should say have more cancellations. Also higher rates of people traveling so longer lines and that is a big deal for some people i mean i'm looking at some of the research from um uh, thanksgiving for those that I, I don't really use that term or celebrated in that way it's more indigenous people's day for me but that's what the word the research uses um they were saying that for instance so put this in your pocket for for next year The three busiest days to travel around Thanksgiving are the Tuesday and Wednesday prior to the holiday and the Sunday after. So if you have high anxiety, or you're in a high conflict couple, or you don't regulate well, don't travel on those days. You are setting yourself up for maybe a lot more stress, having a lot more work to do with yourself and your relationship that day, or setting yourself up for a possible meltdown. Um, That shouldn't be the day where the TSA screens approximately 2.9 million passengers the Sunday after Thanksgiving, the most recorded in a single day. That isn't the day someone with a lot of anxiety should be traveling. Someone who maybe is a single parent with a lot of children. Think ahead of time. Make things easier on yourself. Um, I don't even wanna, yeah. Christmas falls in there as well. Um, And this is also some therapeutic advice. I love this one. This is a quote. uh, Decide with your partner what is a must do this year and what can be altered. Um, Maybe you focus on driving. I love that one. I've actually thought about that. Uh, trains, buses. But this again goes back to my first point. Understand who you are and what you need. Have an honest assessment of what your family or your social group or your relationship can really handle. Like I said, if you are not the group that has a lot of adaptability and flexibility, and there's a lot of conflict, don't make it harder by choosing dates, times of the day and modes of transportation that are just going to amplify that. Make it easy on yourself. I'm aware enough of myself where I'm like, I fly early. So if there's cancellation, I have all day for that to be fixed. I get there early so I'm not rushing and stressed and running around. I don't choose the busiest days to travel. I choose those awkward days and those awkward times. I make it easy on myself. I set myself up for success, not for failure. And that's something you wanna think about. Another point that kept coming up in the research was giving yourself extra time. I love this quote, believing the holiday travel will be stress-free is a setup for disappointment. Anticipate. They say anticipate. I'm going to say expect. (laughs) They say anticipate delays, cancellations, and a lot of traffic and people. I say expect it. So give yourself the time where you know you're not going to be panicked. Run early. Get there early because of those delays, because of those cancellations, because of the traffic, because of the people. You don't know what's ahead of you. And again, it's that self-assessment. What am I going to need to make this easiest on me, my relationship, or my family? That's where, like they say, everything's political. Everything's also a mental health issue. Everything. Don't set yourself or your family up for more stress or for ruining that first part of the trip, which can sometimes leak into the rest of the trip. Who wants to land at their vacation spot or where they're going for the holidays already fighting, already miserable? And that's where we prepare for that ahead of time. Give yourself time, extra time. All right, we're gonna come back and talk more about this and then we'll be doing some DMs. So If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around though, we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, y'all. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back and talk about how to uh, keep an eye on and take care of ourselves, our partners, our friends, our family members, our mental health during holiday time, but especially travel. I was talking about, it's a mental health issue, how you go about traveling, the structure, the plan, the day, the time, all of it is. Plan wisely. Don't pick the the busiest travel days or the busiest travel times. If you don't fly well, if you and your family or partner don't travel well, if you have a lot of responsibilities, if you have a lot of anxiety, whatever else is going on. Be thoughtful. There are ways to make it smoother. Also, giving yourself extra time. <laughs> Anticipate, but I say expect. Delays, cancellations, traffic, and people. Uh, you got to park, baggage, security, shuttles. Hmm. Things go wrong. Your ticket was wrong. You booked it on the wrong day. You missed something. Your name's not the same. I, I remember I was flying with someone, and for whatever reason, the way that their name came out on the thing that you scan like chopped off some letters so their name didn't match their id and after we had waited in that long security line they had to go back to the desk and then they're gonna have to wait in that line and then come back and wait in security line you have to account for things like that i'd rather get to the airport extra early and spend time sitting there with a book having coffee than just be sitting at home watching television for that time but then maybe being penalized for that because something goes wrong. Get there early, plan for getting there early, bring food, bring snacks, bring games, Like build that in. Again, that's my nerves, that's my anxiety, but that's that's what I think you need to do. But like I said, also part of that planning is an honest assessment of who you are or the relationship you have with those you're traveling with. If you are high conflict, high stress, build that in. What do we need to do to make this smoother? Uh, Maybe you say, listen, we're not going to talk about those triggering topics. Maybe you commit to your partner. I know I have meltdowns. It's that the security line is long. I'll come calling that ahead of time. I'm going to be better this time. If you see me struggling, please hold my hand. It'll soothe me. Call out who you are and what kind of troubles you bring in and tell the people you're traveling with how you're going to work on that and be better so that they're soothed. Let them know how they can help you but that's called owning your stuff. And that's what healthy adults do. Don't play dumb. If you are a difficult person traveling, just own it and acknowledge it. Don't try to act like you're better than you are, but try to be better than you are. Promise everyone around you you will be. Let them know what you need. And they'll hopefully let you know what they need from you too. I want us to tell those difficult travelers, hey, I need you to make sure you're doing your work so this goes smoother. That's important. And then we set everything in place in the na- in the way we need to because this is supposed to be fun and go well. So don't bring up triggering topics. Don't attack someone when they're struggling. Help them. If your partner or yourself is struggling, help. Ask for help. Offer help. Don't attack. Don't blame. But own it ahead of time. Also, we go back to just basic regulation tools and perspectives which is make sure you're not catastrophizing things we tend to crank it up if you miss a flight or your flight's canceled okay that's annoying that's frustrating that's difficult but like calmly say okay what are my options and if you're someone who's very anxious maybe think through that ahead of time if i were not to make my flight if my flight were to get canceled what are my options because and um, anxiety is helped and soothed when we realize that there are resources part of what drives and keeps anxiety intense is is catastrophizing things and panicking but you, you you will get somewhere somehow the airline will put you up overnight you can sit in the airport for a few extra hours like there are always solutions. So think ahead of time, if you have high anxiety, what might occur and already tell yourself, what are the possible ways to manage and deal with that? And if it happens surprisingly in the moment, also say to yourself, okay, I'm not gonna be stranded. There are other resources. Let me calmly sit down and figure out what's possible. Maybe have someone that you can call who can talk you through that and help you figure out what the options are, but keep things right sized. A five and above on a scale of zero to 10, because we're always right-sizing things. A five and above is reserved. Those responses of that intensity are reserved for things that are about violence and abuse. Missing a flight, a canceled flight isn't that. It falls in the zero to five level, which is lower. It's a disappointment. It's a frustration. Bring that same level of energy with it. Okay, I'm disappointed that I won't get through the day or time I thought I would. Okay, I as an adult have to learn how to manage difficulty like that. I have to learn how to be disappointed or frustrated. Your partner doesn't need it taken out on them and maybe they can be a resource if you can turn to them. Take advantage of what's available. Also in doing some of the research, I love this idea of packing your favorite things. The trip, but also the travel as comfortable as possible. I actually like some of these ideas. They said, um, don't make this the time, you know, difficult anxiety to go without your preferred pillow or your eye mask or your earplugs bring a comforting object you see people do at the airport like a blanket wear soft relaxing clothes have music ready and movies and books because you don't know how long you're going to be there you don't know if something might go wrong you want to have all your favorite stuff around you to soothe you um have extra battery batteries have your charger Make a list ahead of time of all the things you wanna make sure you pack. It's another way to kind of decrease some anxiety. It's another way to decrease the conflict. Not blaming someone for forgetting or missing something. Have a list ahead of time that you put together. Go through it. Have the things that soothe you, make you happy and comfort you. I, as a vegan, always make sure I have prepared foods that are with me in case the flight doesn't have something that I can eat or the airport doesn't have something I can eat. So I have food prepared. I always bring books with me for waiting time. I like to get to things early, so I'm not stressed, and so I have things to read. I have the movies downloaded already on my laptop. Prepare ahead of time. What can you do to make this environment more comfortable? Wear comfortable clothes. I see people that are wearing really bougie, fancy, restricting, awkward, uncomfortable clothes, and I don't understand why. It's an airplane. Everyone should be in pajamas and sweatpants and slippers. It's an airplane. Uh, I don't. I never will understand where people talk about, people don't dress up on airplanes anymore. Why would we? I'm sitting in the most uncomfortable, most ridiculous, complicated You know metal tube flying through the air who am i dressing up for i'm not trying to oppress the passengers or the flight attendants like what planet are we on we're dirty comfortable soothing things i look like a hot mess at the airport because it's about comfort it's already the most uncomfortable thing in the world you know take care of yourselves ahead of time like that um all right we're gonna come back talk more about this because i want us to all have our mental health intact over the holidays and then of course we'll be closing out on some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, question, topics, thing you want to say, it, put it in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Otherwise, y'all, stick around because we've got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh talking about the very important topic of how do I take care of my mental health during the holidays, but specifically with the dreaded travel, uh, specifically when you're traveling to see family members of yours or friends or partners that uh, triggers you, ungrounds you. But we're calling it out ahead of time. And that's gonna be one of the most important mental health practices is acknowledging what's ahead of you. Honestly and openly, we're not judging, um, but we're acknowledging what those challenges are gonna be. But also we have to acknowledge that within ourselves. What do I need to be aware of? Who am I in those times? And also, letting our partners know what maybe we need from them. And then I was just dropping into some of the reminders that the travel experts really gift us with and how that applies to mental health. If you, are stressed and you have tons of children and you're and your lifestyle your mental health is complicated or you're not really doing well with your partner and there's high conflict don't make it worse by traveling on the busy travel days don't make it worse by not giving yourself a, a, a buffer of a few hours or two i get to airports which i hate traveling because of my own anxieties and because of my own issues around what comes up at them i give myself a buffer a buffer i i look at what the standard amount of time would be and how that whatever time is recommended in getting there. And I add at least another hour, but I'm good. I sit there with my coffee and my book and my music and I prepare for it. And that's the other thing, bring things that make you comfortable and soothe you. I also make a list of what I want to make sure I pack so that I'm not getting there, having forgotten things, know what you need, know who you are, self-awareness of what your limits and shortcomings are. And what you need as a result of those is an important part of of adulthood, but also mental health. Don't, Don't try to be better than you are, is what I'm saying. Understand what your limits are and what challenges are and what you need to be able to have them work in your favor. And that's why I I love that. Knowing ahead of time what are going to be the difficult moments. Is it getting everything together and getting out of the house? Is it when you arrive at the airport? Is it when you settle into your family's home or your partner's family's home or whatever it is? What do I need to make that transition smoothest and best? Because I don't want to... I don't wanna turn on my partner and I also wanna get there with my mental health intact. I also think there's a great thing about gratitude. Um, I'm not about toxic positivity. We're always looking on the bright side because sometimes everything just stinks. Not everything, but that moment might just stink and there might not be anything positive coming out of that moment, but round it out. A bad flight doesn't mean the whole trip is bad. A bad morning doesn't mean the flight is bad. A bad moment at the airport doesn't mean everything's ruined. You have to remember that that moment is just about that moment. And I always give daily examples. Spilling coffee on yourself when you start your day doesn't mean the whole day is bad or the whole week is bad. Adjust that moment. Be open and curious as to what's coming next because it's always going to be different. Yes, it might get a little bit worse, but it also might get better. So we're we're, we're having a soothe mind, equanimity. We're, we're having a very balanced, open, soothe mind and we're preparing ourselves for what's ahead. We decrease anxiety by planning and we decrease anxiety by also knowing what resources are possible. So if you have high anxiety, say to yourself ahead of time, what are the worst case scenarios? Missing a flight, a canceled flight? What can I do or what do I wanna do if that does happen? And then guess what? If it happens, you're not anxious because you already have a plan and you know that it's going to all be okay. Don't just go into it unconscious unmindful, mindlessly thinking I'll figure it out as I go. No, that isn't the best plan for a lot of people when we're doing a mental health center travel. Is again, hear that one more time, anxiety is best dealt with by thinking ahead of time of what might go wrong and being prepared and having resources available. If you have high, high, high anxiety, already have the airline's customer service number written down somewhere. Already maybe call and say what are my options if a flight's canceled? Know what you're stepping into. What's the policy? What can I do? What's available? Have those numbers already. Have the steps written down. And also reach out to people. Number one tip I want everyone to learn from tonight's show if nothing else is that other people's presence, whether literal or symbolic, meaning standing next to you or just accessible on the phone is always gonna be more regulating than what you can do on your own by yourself. That is why we need other people. Co-regulation is more powerful than self-regulation. Self-regulation is top-down, Co regulation is bottom up because they touch their presence. Where self regulation, we have to go into our head and try to challenge our thinking, which is a skill we all have to have. But co regulation is always better. So know who you can reach out to to help calm you down. Have it such that you can turn to your partner, saying, I'm having a really hard time right now. Can you soothe me? Can you cuddle me? Can you help me figure out what the options are? Maybe you find someone else nearby at the airport who's also struggling, saying, hey, I know our flight just got canceled. Here's what I'm gonna call. Do you have the number? Here's the number. Turn towards and and, and support other people because feeling as though we're alone in this is what spikes more anxiety. Um, And also being a support to your partner, American Psychological Association. Uh, Anxiety disorders affect one out of every three adults, and one of the essential skills, this is their quote, we try to impress on couples is the value of listening to your partner's feelings. We need to communicate that we are there for them. That's the key. Someone's there with us and for us. Um, Otherwise, make it fun. Focus on the fun. Find the fun. Oh, it got delayed two hours? What can we do that's gonna be fun or meaningful in those two hours? Always remind yourself, we get to decide what we're going to do with that extra time because it was canceled, because it was delayed. What can we do? It doesn't have to be wasted or squandered or all bad or negative. All right, when we come back, we're going to uh, slide into some DMs, so stick around for that. you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions and topics. Otherwise, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
0: Selling a little... (laughs) Or a lot.
3: All oh, right, Rachel, we are back, and uh, now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs. A
3: little bit of a long one, so hang in there. Hey, Dr. Chris, my question is how to navigate my current relationship. I met my boyfriend six months ago. When I met my boyfriend, he was drinking heavily. Because of his drinking, he was asked to leave where he was staying, which forced him to check into a rehab. Great. That's sometimes what that uh, boundary does, you know? Someone loses their housing because of their drinking, helps them realize there's a problem, I need to change that, thank you for kicking me out, now I'm gonna go to rehab, clean up my act. So that's what was happening when you met your boyfriend six months ago. He's only been there a month, but I have noticed a big difference in our relationship. I bet, this person's calmer, cooler, less reactive, more present, more available, self esteem's up. Maybe in rehab for a month, they learned some interpersonal skills, all sorts of stuff. Uh, So that's great. What was once a fun loving man? Oh wait, this is different, sorry. You noticed a big difference. I thought it was a positive one, not so much. You said, what was once a fun loving man is now always moody and irritated easily. Very short with me. I try to be as understanding as I can because I understand he's going through withdrawals. A month later, he's not. A month later, what he might be doing is actually dealing with life on life's terms, meaning all of a sudden he has to address his health, his relational damage, uh, what he's doing with his life how he feels about his family the first 30 days when someone's newly sober oh my god expect nothing from them In fact, people ideally are single at that time because they don't have the bandwidth to be present or supportive for someone else. So your partner 30 days in isn't gonna be this joyous, bouncy person necessarily. Um, I'm someone who worked in recovery for decades. For almost a a decade here in Los Angeles, I was working at an inpatient drug and alcohol dual diagnosis center, um, running groups and working with clients. 30 days is nothing. 30 days, they are barely stabilized. All of a sudden, emotions are in full blast. It is a very overwhelming time And I say to them, tell your loved ones and partners, I love you, we're putting this on pause for a minute, I need to figure my stuff out. I don't have the skills or bandwidth to be a partner, to be at a job, oh yeah, this person's in a cocoon still. So hang in there with them. This is not who they are or who they'll be. This is a transitional period. They're gonna need 90 days to a year to really become the person that they now are. So don't make too much meaning out of who they are now. 30 days is nothing. Um, back to your question, though. And also remember, you said, what, what was once a fun-loving man? Well, they were wasted. And so they were, you know, that, that's a different kind of person. They're not gonna be that person. You know what I mean? Like you were living at Disneyland and now you're back home. It's a very different vibe. Um you said, however, It's taken an emotional toll on me when he lashes out. I don't want to walk away because he doesn't have anyone supporting him. How can I be a supportive partner? Well, he doesn't have a right to lash out. So if this person's struggling with regulation and being kind, your best best bet might be to say, listen... You are not in a position to deal with me or a relationship, nor should that be a priority right now. Focus on your recovery and rebuilding your life. And I'll be here as a loving friend and support. And once you have a couple months under your belt, then we can talk about reentering a primary relationship. You've only known them for six months. So you don't actually know them. You only know this person when they were an active alcoholic, so you don't know them. You have no idea who they are as a sober person and you're gonna find out not for another few months. So this person isn't ready to be a secure attached partner. Let me say that when someone's grieving, when someone's depressed, when someone's on drugs and alcohol, when someone's in early recovery, they're not able to be part of a securely attached relationship. We shouldn't expect that of them. So if you're already deeply in something with someone because you're already married, or years in, you have to kind of like stand off to the side for a minute they're gonna become a very different person. That's why there's a high rate of, of divorce and breakups in recovery, massively high. Because all of a sudden this brand new person comes home. Different needs, different interests, different boundaries, different relationship. Oh yeah. So expect that and account for that. Uh, But they don't get to treat you poorly or lash out no matter what. I don't care. So you set a boundary saying things like, hey, that didn't feel good. I'm going to go now. Hey, you really can't talk to me like that. If you're going to talk like that, we're not going to stay in contact. You do get to set boundaries and make requests because your mental health matters as well. Everyone's mental health always matters. I don't care if you've cheated on someone. Your mental health still matters and they have to treat you kindly even if you cheated on them. If someone's getting sober, they still have to be respectful to you bare minimum, no matter what, everyone's mental health always matters. No one's ever no longer held accountable to that. Um, all right. Good luck. We've got a question for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Otherwise, you all, that is our show. As always, it's great hanging out with you. Please be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Have a beautiful rest of your night. Good night, everybody.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.